What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And guys, that was fun. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a perfect game. In fact, I would say it was far from perfect. Still have a lot to clean up, but all in all, there was a lot to like about what we saw on Saturday. And man, it is just so good to have Georgia football back, and really, just college football in general. It is a beautiful thing. But as for today's show, it's going to be a little bit different than our traditional game recap show. We put in a call for mailbag questions a little earlier than we normally do. And man, you guys answered the bell. Uh, We actually got far more questions this week than we have for any mailbag show, I would say ever. Really, it's not even that close. Uh, And we love it, man. We, We love the interaction. We love to get your thoughts and questions. We very much value both. But the thing about the questions this week is that they all pretty much asked us to discuss and cover the things that we were going to talk about on our recap show, which makes sense. Most weeks during the season, uh, the mailback questions and comments we get are they're usually split pretty evenly between questions about the previous week's game and the game that we have coming up next on deck. But this week, with Murray State on deck, combined with the fact that we just got our first taste of Georgia football in nine months, essentially every question was about the Vanderbilt game. So we just didn't think it made all that much sense to do the recap show and then turn right back around and discuss the exact same thing on a mailbag show. Um, And we actually want to make sure we answer your questions, so we decided to just switch things up a little bit this week, and maybe next week too, since we have Arkansas State in week three. So what we're going to do is we're going to merge the recap and mailbag shows. And we got so many questions that we are going to, again, break this into two parts. So if we don't get to your question today, we will do our best to get to it in part two. Uh, And there were a lot of questions that overlapped, so we tried our best to organize them accordingly and give everyone a voice on the show. But uh, yeah, we thought this would be a really great way to recap week one and do it as, in as detailed a way as we possibly could and also make sure that we answer the questions and talk about the things that you guys want us to talk about. We also want to quickly remind everyone out there that if you are not subscribed to our premium content on Podbean yet, we've had a lot of people signing up and it's great. We really, really, really appreciate everyone's support. Um, but if you want to get access to all of our shows throughout this 2019 season, not just the recap shows, Go ahead and go to Podbean today. You can uh, find the little yellow Buy Now button there at the top of the screen. And you click on it and you put in your information and boom, within like a minute or two, it's a very seamless process. You are good to go. Uh, It's only $3 a month and you get access to every show that we produce all year long. It's all it takes. We also have uh, an annual option if that's something you're interested in. Some people like to go ahead and just pay it all up front. Uh, You get a little discount if you do it that way. But if you uh, like to uh, just do it by the month, you can obviously always do that. Uh, So give it a shot today. Um, And if you don't like it, if it's something you're interested in after a a month or so, then you can just, uh, you're free to cancel at any time. But uh, uh, we greatly appreciate everyone's support. But all right, let's go ahead and move into our questions here. We've got a ton of them to get to. Like I said, there's a lot of questions that were sent in that uh, we're kind of overlap, basically asking the same thing. So we're going to try to uh, group all those questions together. But uh, we're going to start with Reggie here. Reggie has been a long-time listener. Reggie's the man, and uh, he sent in kind of a big-picture question. So I thought this would be a really good way to kind of start this recap and then kind of work our way into more specific questions as we go through this show. So thank you, Reggie. We always appreciate it, my man. And uh, Reggie asks or says, This team is exactly what I thought it was, a fast and physical defense 
that is going to suffocate you in an offense that can beat you right and or left-handed. Small sample size, I know, but I saw what I needed to see to keep all optimism. What is your overreaction after game one? So, Kurt, do you agree with Reggie, or are you seeing something a little bit different here? Reggie, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was just the overall speed of our defense. You know, two years ago, when we were such a good defense, um, I think Roquan really, his speed made up for a lot of deficiencies we had throughout the team. But this time around, I feel like we have speed everywhere. I mean, the DBs are flying to the ball, linebacker-wise, and we were able to rotate guys in and out, and they were still moving quickly. And even on the defensive line, while they were very physical and showed some strength and fight uh, at the line of scrimmage, they were also flying to the ball. So I think that's what struck out to me the most. Um, you know, Vandy didn't do much downfield passing, but what they were doing was hitting intermediate routes. But our guys were not giving up any more yards. You know, as soon as they would catch those short passes, they were getting gang tackled by everyone. Um, so defensively, I think that definitely I have to agree with Reggie that you saw the speed and the physicality of this defense. And then offensively, you know, in the first half we did whatever we wanted. I think the second half we were working on certain things, but the first half really showed that it truly didn't matter. I mean, I know Vandy's not the best opponent of the SEC. But even then, you know, they their biggest thing, you know, you talked about it on the show last week, how defense has always been one of their things, especially when you look at Derek Mason. And they, they you know, they they kind of pride themselves on it. And the thing was, we did whatever we wanted to at will in that first half. Um, it didn't matter if we were running. We could run up the gut. We could run on the outside. We could throw the short passes. We could even hit the long ball if it hadn't been for a holding penalty. I mean, Jake threw a beautiful ball to Demetrius. So I think in the most part, we did whatever we wanted to offensively. Yeah, man, I, I 100% agree with all of that. Uh, and look, and I love how Reggie phrases, what is your overreaction after game one? Because Reggie acknowledges, he knows. like, Of course, anything that we say is going to be an overreaction, right? Because it's only one small sample size. Uh, but that's all we had to go off, with, off of right now, so we're going to go with it. And Reggie, I, honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. What Reggie said at the, at the outset there in his question, his comments there, uh, it's kind of exactly how I feel. I, I kind of turned to uh, my wife and the people I was with at the game and and after the game, I said, like, this, like, they were, some of them were kind of like, oh, I don't know, man, we, we should have beaten them by more, especially after we started off 21 nothing. They thought we were just going to blow them out and be 60 to nothing. And so, so maybe some of them weren't as excited as I was, but I, what I said was exactly what Reggie said. Like, this is exactly who I thought this team was. Was it perfect? No. There were some things to clean up. Absolutely. We'll talk, we'll talk about the penalties here in just a few minutes. Like, there are things that we've got to get better at, of course. But it's week one. Like, did you see a team in all the games that you watched? I, I tried to watch as many games as I could. Uh, on Saturday, even came back and watched some of the games I missed uh, while I was up there in Nashville. Did you see a game, a, a team that looked perfect from start to finish last week? No, I mean, even Clemson looked. Uh, yeah. Lawrence threw six, pick six. And, you know, he's the odds-on Heisman number one guy when he comes out. I mean, he still messed up. So, yeah, no one played perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, I agree with that. I just don't, like, it's week one. There's going to be a lot to clean up. I mean, Auburn, sure, they got a big win against, uh, against Oregon. But most of that game, they looked pretty average i mean for most of that game uh ohio state started off gangbusters 28 nothing and then they kind of uh fell off a little bit there as that game wore on so there are teams that, that look better than others but i don't think there's any team that you could say in the entire country i mean even alabama in the first half of the game wasn't blowing duke out second half they, they completely blew them out but it, it wasn't perfect for them early in that game either they were not almost like struggling that's a little bit of a strong word but they, they weren't like having their way with duke early in that game so Every team in America has something to work on, including us. Like I, I, I obviously include us in that as well. We all saw that. But I, I did not see anything that led me to believe 
that I should be less optimistic than I was coming into the season. I, I saw nothing on Saturday to lead me to believe that I should now readjust my expectations for this team and say, you know what, yeah, we might lose a game or two, maybe three in the regular season. I didn't see anything like that. I still believe that we are a major contender for a national title. Right now, I'm not going to sit here and say that we should be the favorite for the national title, but I'm going to sit here and say again today, like I said, coming into the season, that I think we have as good of a chance as anyone, including Clemson, Alabama, to win the national title this season. Uh, Got to get better at some things, sure, but... I did not see much at all, really anything at all, to really cause me to dampen my enthusiasm for what this team can be. The te- this team is not that yet. We're not there yet, but we have all the pieces. We saw it on full display, offense, defense, and special teams. We'll get to that a little bit later, too. We saw that we have all the pieces that we need to be as good as anyone in America. Now, we've got to get it all clicking, and we've got time to do that, but... I, I still feel the things that we need to work on are things that are imminently fixable. There's nothing that I saw that was like, oh my God, that's just like that's gonna be a problem all year long. You know what I mean, Kurt? Like, did you see anything that was like, you know what, we're just not gonna be able to fix that? No, it's not like last year where I saw our linebackers and said, We're stuck with who we are. That's not the case this year. I didn't see that anywhere. Yeah, and speaking of linebackers, we actually had a question on this one. What did you think of uh just while we bring it up here? What did you think uh, of Tay Crowder and Monty Rice, uh, at least starting in that game? Did you think they played better than they did last year? Um, yeah, I mean, especially Tay. I mean, uh, I thought he could have tackled a little bit better. He but missed. There's one play that. in particular, right in the hole. He just completely whiffed. But that, that's that's you know, you're just you're nitpicking there when I say yeah. that. But I, but I, and as an old linebacker guy myself, I saw that like, uh, but he, I thought he played a lot better than why he played how he played most of last year, right? Yeah, especially at the beginning of the season last year, he was missing a lot of reads, was a little slow in his decision-making. So you saw it speed up this time. You saw Monty play well. Um, but, you know, like you said, we'll have other questions to get into, you know, the rotation of things, what we saw. Yeah, and Quay Walker, man, did you did you notice that he came out there and started the second half? I mean, I was pretty sure he played the whole second, he, second they, they were The other linebackers were rotating. From what I saw until that, that final drive, we kind of had some backups in. I actually think he was still on that drive anyway. Quay Walker, based on what I saw, was in there pretty much every drive, right? Yeah, it was either the other team was or the other positions where they were rotating. Yeah, we were rotating Monty and Tay there. Um, but Quay Walker, um, I thought he played well in the first half when he got – he did play in the first half. And obviously the coaches liked what they saw from him in the first half because he was playing um, almost exclusively at one of those positions the entire second half. And we'll, we'll, we will see Nicobe Dean, right? Um, are you still saying that it was an injury thing, right? The ankle. Yeah, I mean, Kirby said, if you listen to the press conference from Monday, Kirby said they put him in for two series, and pretty much he said, I'm not 100%, so they said, let's pull him out. Right, absolutely. So, uh, and he would have made the trip. I don't think it's anything like long-term, because he would not have made the trip if he wasn't, it's like a game-time decision, you know, uh, if they thought it was going to be something long-term. So I think he'll be fine here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully ready to go. for. I like. I would like him to get in um, and play a good bit one of these next two weeks before Notre Dame. I wouldn't like his first college action to be against Notre Dame. Uh, maybe that would help us. Maybe they wouldn't know how to handle him. We'll see. Uh, but he'll be a part of that rotation as well. But uh, I thought Quay played really well. And you guys know I was really high on Quay Walker last year. Man, I know he didn't see much playing time. Uh, but I knew his long-term potential once they all started to click for him. It looks like it's starting to happen. And that guy is just... He's, he's freaky. He's versatile. He's going to be a monster for us. I, I really think of that inside linebacker position. But I thought they played much better. But uh, anyway, kind of got off track there. just want to talk about some, some inside linebacking play a little bit. But yeah, overall, back to Reggie's question here real quick. Offense, defense, special teams. I mean, Kurt, like still, where are the holes on this team? Um, It's really hard to pick at point out. I mean, right. I think that's what struck me the most is it's not like there was any glaring hole. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we're not perfect. We've got to get better, more disciplined, and just be more polished at things. But there was no position I saw on the field. I was like, oh, my God, that is a problem. 
that's a problem. And maybe you could say offensive line pass protection needs to be cleaned up, but like, are we ready to say that's a problem yet? No, absolutely not. I think that comes with more practice and more communication. I mean, people have to remember when it comes to practice now, there's a lot less physicality of things that we can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the 20 hour rule, and like, yeah, absolutely. We're a lot less physical in practice. I mean, you basically stop tackling a week or so. Before the before the first games, you don't want anybody to get hurt. So yeah, I mean, I just I, again, I don't know where the holes are. Offensive line, great quarterback. Like I know his numbers weren't stellar. We'll get to him a little bit more in a minute here. But I have no worries about Jay Fromm whatsoever. He's been there, done that. We all seen it. Defense is going to be nasty, guys. It's going to be nasty, and we're going to talk about more about special teams in a minute. But special teams looks to be at least have an opportunity to be an elite unit all over the place this year. So uh, we'll, we'll certainly get to more, more of that here in a few minutes. But all right, let's go to the next question here. Get a little bit more specific. We mentioned this a little bit. So, uh, we talked about some of the good things and why we still feel good about this team. But there, like we said, there were some things to clean up and Derek points that out. Derek, thanks for the question, man. Uh, Derek says, all in all, we looked very good last night, but the penalties were out of control. Do you think that was a one-time opening game deal or is that something we're going to have to work through all year? Kurt, what do you think? Um, well, first off, I wouldn't have said it out of control. I think that's a little bit overstated. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, there were some penalties that you would like to see cleaned up, but I didn't think, like you mentioned earlier, I didn't think it was any worse than what you saw from other teams in week one. Um, but, I mean, of course, you know, some of these holding penalties and, you know, it's the face mask and things the like that. The holding is what? Like, face mask, that's an aggressive penalty, right? Yeah, but, I mean, even then, it's the holding is killer. Because, yeah, it, but like I said, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we can't only do so much one-on-one, things like that, tackling and drills and all those things when, you know, you're trying to protect your players and do all these things, the 20-hour rules, you know. Yep. Um, Catch 22. And, and, yeah, and I think that's where it takes a little bit of time to get caught up. Like like you said, there was no team out there that didn't commit penalties that was perfect. That just doesn't happen. So I think to hit the alarming button may be a little early, maybe if you're in week three and four and it's still a problem. But, I mean, to me, this is stuff that can be cleaned up. It was not like there were mistakes that aren't fixable. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you for the most part there. I will say, like, okay, saying it was out of control, that might be a little bit strong, but I get the sentiment. I really do. Like, I w- it was killing me up there. I mean, we had 10 penalties for 115 yards. Like, you can beat teams like Vanderbilt doing that. That's fine. But, like, if we're playing Alabama or whoever, if, we get, if we're fortunate enough to get the SEC title game, we're playing, if we're playing at Auburn on the road, Kurt, 10 penalties for 115 yards, that can get you beat. But you're right, this is week one. And you mentioned a lot of teams had a lot of similar issues, so it's it's not time. I mean, honestly, I was watching. I mean, go back to the Florida game last week or week zero, or whatever, and they had a ton of penalties in that game. Uh, both teams, and then uh, it seemed like every game I was watching this past week was just penalty after penalty. So it's not like we were alone there, but we don't want to be like the others. We gotta get. We do have to get better. We have to improve the face mask. You're you're spot on with the face mask stuff, Kurt. You're right with the, with the lack of physicality in practice at times. You really only go hard one day a week. You try. You go thud more than you actual tackling people to the ground anymore. So I mean that kind of happens when you're out there. And it's an aggressive penalty. No one's trying to grab the face mask. You're reaching. You're grabbing the guy on the ground, and you happen to reach up and grab his face mask. It's it's unfortunate. It sucks. Uh, we gave Vanderbilt six points off those, basically. But uh, now I will say the, the Devon Wilson hitting out of bounds that is avoidable, right? Yeah, and you saw Kirby get after. Yeah, he got after for that. that. That's that. That's just stupid. Uh, but you don't see him get after somebody for a face mask as much because it's just part of the game. Now the holdings, I we've got to clean that up. That can't happen. We killed we killed a couple of drives in the second half, which we'll get to here in a minute on on just getting behind the chains with holding penalties. Just that that cannot continue to happen. But uh, 
we got we, we got to clean that up a little bit. But I'm with you, though, Kurt. I, I do think that this is a, a right now. I'm going to say it's a one-time opening game deal. If it becomes more of a trend as the next couple games go on, then we can go back and review and talk about is there more, is there some like larger issue here, undisciplined play, like that kind of thing. But with one game, like sometimes games like this happen, it sucks. We don't. It was killing me in the stands. Trust me, it was. I was pissed. Um, but. Especially like the block in the back on, on on the punt return by Jermaine Johnson, like I was screaming in the stands, "Why, why, why?" It had no bearing on the play, no need to do that. Just so those kind of things got to clean up on. But I'm not. It was frustrating, but I'm not freaking out yet. Right now, we'll call it a, a one game isolated incident until we see otherwise. Uh, but all right, let's move on to the next one here. Uh, now, this is an interesting question, Kurt. And this one is very frustrating, not just for me, for a lot of Georgia fans out there. I, I would venture to say almost all Georgia fans out there because it goes back to last year. Uh, and Daniel has a great question. Is there anyone else worried about the short yardage difficulties? We really hit a wall in the second half. So, Kurt, like, again, going, this, goes, this goes back to last year. What do you make of us continuing to have some of these short yardage problems uh, when we're trying to pick up just a yard or two in third and fourth situations? Um, you know, it's always alarming. Um, I think the biggest thing is that, especially in the offense coordinator, I'm not going to handicap it, but I think he, should, he has to see what works um, in that situation. But at the same time, I think the offense line is going to have to blow. I think one of the biggest things is they're getting submarine, if you saw, especially in the line of scrimmage. I can't remember who it was, but some, you know they got driven by a little bit back because the defender got lower than them. So I think it is going to have to come to the offensive line. You know, yes, they're bigger and stronger, but you also have to play the leverage when it comes to those short down situations. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you there. To me. More than anything, and you're right. There, I think it was Trey Hill. One play, they got submarined, and the guys got lower than him. He kind of just got got pushed in the backfield. That happened. That that was on one of those plays. But even going back to last year, to me, it's more. Like, there is some physicality to it, of course. But how can you reconcile the fact that our offensive line is so physical and so dominant the rest of the game, but when we get to the short yard situations, all of a sudden they're not physical anymore. Now they can't block anybody. I don't think it's as much about that. And I've watched, I've gone back, and I actually have games from last year, the Florida game. I went back and watched that again when I got home from uh, from Nashville and then watched the game against, uh, against Vanderbilt and watched those plays specifically and watched each play about 10, 15 times. I'm not even kidding about that. Just to see what's going on. And to me, it's way more about scheme than anything else. The The bottom line is, in those situations, we are not giving opponents anything else to think about. They know exactly what we're going to do. Now, you can do the whole macho thing and say, well, you know what, it's only one yard, so when we're that big and that bad, if we're going to have the best offensive line in the country, you got to be able to pick up that one yard. You can, you can have that old school mentality, and that's fine. My coach would have said the exact same thing back when I used to play football. And, and there's a part of me that, that still gets that. But the bottom line is, when they know that we're thinking that, and that's what we're going to do, they simply, they simply outnumber us in the box. It's that simple. Guys are running free, particularly the backside guys. We are not doing anything to hold them whatsoever. You know, a lot of teams, they'll run a, a zone read. Look, even if, they, even if they intend on handing it off, they have a quarterback that's at least somewhat of a, of a threat to run the football and pull it, and that actually at least holds the backside pursuit, so that takes a guy out of the play without, without having to block him. So they outnumber you in the box, but you're taking him out of the play. We don't really do that, uh, and, and teams don't trust Fromm to be enough of a threat to run the football. Now, he he, he could, because if you go, go back and watch, especially I think the first one that we got stuffed on, I think it was the fourth down one, the fourth and one there. 
The backside in just flat out did not even think about Fromm whatsoever. If Fromm, if we were, would have run a naked boot, Fromm would have run for 900 yards on that play. He'd still be running right now. As, as slow, I'm going to say he's not slow, but as... And Fromm, we all know, is not a, an elite athlete, per se, uh, in terms of making plays with his legs. But he st- would still be running today because no one was even paying attention to him. So we've got to at least give them that look, maybe even throw on a third and one, a fourth and one situation, uh, do some sort of play action. And look, I get that we have the big offensive line. You want to pile, pile drive them and all that kind of stuff. I get all of that. But in today's football, it's about numbers. When you are outnumbering the box, I don't care how big and strong we hear all the time about how big our offensive linemen are, and they are. They're big, strong, and they're incredible. But when they have when the defense has two extra players, then we have blockers in the box. We simply cannot block all of them. Those guys are running free, and we're not doing anything to make them think about anything other than playing the run with reckless abandon. So to me, it's more of a it's more of a scheme thing, and we've got to go back to the drawing board there and do some things a little bit different. Um, more than anything. Now, offensive line, it was one play where Trey Hill did get, did get submarined, but to me, it's way more about scheme than anything. But that's just me. All right, next up here, we got Cliff. Thank you, Cliff. And Cliff sent a, quite a few questions in, so this is uh, the first of many for Cliff. Uh, always always appreciate it, Cliff. Uh, all right, Cliff is on the special teams, man. He's always on this. Love it, Cliff. Uh, Cliff says, of the three phases, special teams was clearly the strongest in game one. People forget how much the special teams helped Georgia in 2017, which I do agree, Cliff. What do you think? That's a great sign, and Camarda especially seemed to have greatly improved. Uh, Tyler Simmons, Rodrigo Blankenship, amazing stuff on special teams. Uh, and Cameron also had a, a similar question. Thank you also, Cameron. Uh, Cameron said, it's, it's one game, but I think our special teams might be the best in the conference. How do you see Camarda doing this year? So special teams in general, Curtis, how do you feel after week one? Um, I mean, I feel confident. Even Kamara, it doesn't shock me. Because towards the end of the year last year, he got a lot better on his directional corner kicks and things like that and, you know, being more consistent. So it doesn't shock me. I think Rodrigo, uh, he knows this is his last chance. You know, I think he really, I think he did honestly want to leave last year, but there wasn't as big a market and demand for him because he did miss some big kicks that on the big stage. Oh, the Alabama game. Exactly, and that's when everyone is watching. So don't do it on the biggest stage. That leaves, you know, a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths. So when that happened, um, I think that, he wanted to come back so of course I think this is his year to show out and try to be the best and I think also if I'm correct this is officially year two under Fountain as yeah. the special teams coordinator he had right. something to do when Beamer was there but I think this is year two of him working with him full-time special um, teams coordinator exactly yeah. you know last year was his first year and I think he was still wanting to do his own thing because year before he sh- I think he was kind of half and half with Beamer and what they did with it. So I think that um, him being on field and doing all these things is you finally trying to see, you're starting to see it take shape. And I think some of the other things, you know, he, he mentioned Tyler Simmons and people like that. I think some of these other guys are taking more of, you know, pride in what they're doing, being on special teams. It's not just, oh, hey, we're getting some, I don't want to say scrubs, but we're putting players out there to play all the time as in, you know, people in the past used to do. You know, we're getting our best athletes out there, and I think they're taking pride in making plays. Yeah, um, that's a great breakdown there, man. I, I, did you like Tyler Simmons back there as a punt returner? Um, I mean, it wasn't terrible. Uh, he, he he had some great returns. Honestly, Like when, when he trotted back there, whenever I hear Tyler Simmons as a punt returner, I'm always kind of like, hmm, I kind of like tilt my head to the side, like, hmm. Because as, as fast as he is, and he has the speed like Demetrius Rogers, right. and he, I think he's just a little bit stronger. Right, and, and Simmons is like he's one of the fastest guys on the team. That's not my question. I, 
I see him more as a, a kick returner because traditionally speaking, punt returners, you want a guy that has a little more wiggle, right? Like an Isaiah McKenzie, like a joystick, right? And whereas with a kick returner, you want a guy that's more straight line speed type. So that's why Miko was such a dangerous kick returner. I think, to me, I always felt like Tyler Simmons would be a better kick returner. But you can't argue with the production. At least through game one, he put together some really nice returns. Now, he doesn't have the wiggle as, a, as much of a guy like James Cook. Because I always thought Cook would be a better guy in that role because I think he's a little bit more elusive in open space. But at least through one game, you can't argue with the production there. So we'll see if that – hopefully that continues. Um, but we'll certainly see there. Um, but, yeah, I thought he did a good job. I mean, look, all the way around – it, it was incredible. Uh, it was an incredible special teams performance. I totally agree with what Cliff and Cameron are saying. Totally agree. And I think our special teams unit is completely overlooked. You min- I'm glad you mentioned Scott Fountain, I think that's a huge hire when we went to the 10th uh, assistant coach out of that last year. Uh, and we hired a special teams coordinator. And, you know, For years, everyone was, everyone was talking about that with Mark Rick. We never could because you only had nine assistant coaches. So you're going to take a guy you know, away from... Uh, you're going to have one less offensive coach, one less defensive coach to have a special teams coordinator. Well, when they add the 10th assistant coach, that's a moot point. And so we add, we add Scott Fountain, who's got a great reputation as a special teams coach. And um, I think we have the potential to have a dom- have not just one, but dominant special teams units, plural there, whether it's kick, uh, punt, punt return, kick return, uh, punt block, kick ball, all that stuff. I think we have a chance to be dominant all the way around, not just one of them. Uh, and I think matching that with our offense and defense, watch the heck out, man. Like if our if our special teams is that good all year long, and I don't see why it can't be, uh, watch out, man. Seriously, watch out because you got one of the best, if not the best, kickers in America. Now he's got to work on some consistency in the big moments, but Rod's been great for us. He's been fantastic. I think Kamara is ready to have a massive sophomore year. People forget how good this guy was in high school. Last year he was a true freshman starting. He had some moments, but he was inconsistent. But this year, I really look for him to kind of straighten that out and be. I mean, the one, the first pump. I, I try to count in the air. I think it was like seventy yards in the air, uh, sixty-five to seventy yards in the air from where he kicked it from. Just. Uh, and the hang time was awesome. Just just a boomer, man. Uh, and then the return game looked really good there on, on both kick and uh, uh, punt return. So, man, and, and the coverage units, that it's one of the offshoots of how well we've been recruiting, one of the positive offshoots. Uh, not, we always have competition, but now those guys who might not win the starting jobs, who are still obscenely talented players, they're now fighting and competing to get on the special teams units so they can make the bus when we're going road games like this. And, and and be there and contribute to this team. So when you when you've got studs out there, uh, four and five star guys who aren't maybe starting, but they're playing serious special teams units. I mean, there's very few teams in America that have that luxury, and that's one thing that I don't think can be overlooked. We have we have guys that would be starting for just about every other team in the SEC outside of maybe Alabama and possibly LSU that are playing serious special teams units for us and, and becoming dominant special teams players for us. So. Um, just, I, I think we're going to be really, really good in, in, in that regard this year as well, for sure. All right, next up. Um, now, we're going to get to some stuff that uh, that could be, you could consider a little bit of an issue of sorts. Uh, and I certainly do not want to ignore this. So Alexander does a great job pointing this out. Uh, so I appreciate it, my man. Alexander uh, asked, why do you think we shut down the offense after the first three drives? We had 42 passing yards total in the last 41 minutes of the game, which is true, and it's a great stat, Alexander. Um, he also goes on to say, "I really wish we saw more passing. Are we trying to, uh, are we trying to not show too much in advance of big matchups, or did Kirby just have us shut it down once we got a big lead?" Kurt, what do you think about how things kind of went for those first three drives offensively? 
I'm honestly going to go with a little bit of both. I think that he did not want to show our full bag of how we were going to spread the ball out. I mean, you saw the first couple drives. It's not like we were doing just running the ball. We were getting it on the edge. We were doing it up the gut. I mean, we were mixing up everything we were doing. That mixing up kind of went away once we got a comfortable lead. And I think some of it has to do with Kirby has a strong respect for Derek Mason. And you kind of mentioned last week that you did not think that he would run the score up on him so yeah. I think that takes into account and at the same time like um I, th- I think a big thing is that we just need to uh, I think he wants to not show how we're going to use James Cook in the slot or, or any other you know special thing that we may have designed until we get to a team like Notre Dame yeah I, I certainly do think there's something to that and uh, before I go on here I, I don't want to shortchange Brent and Adam Brent and Adam both sent in questions uh, that were basically about the same thing Alexander said in, so I want to give them some love here too. Appreciate it, guys. Brent asked, love, he says, love the pod. Appreciate it, man. We love you too. Um, he asks, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on the passing game or lack thereof in the second half. Why do you think that occurred? Uh, hate the idea of taking your foot off the gas when we have a lead. Uh, then Adam says, I-, I wanted to know what you thought about the lack of passing game in the second half. So again, basically the same thing. I feel like it was a lost opportunity for us to gain some experience for those young dudes. Thought the offense looked good in the first quarter, looked very good and imaginative. So appreciate the questions, guys, in the comments. Just want to make sure we give you guys your fair due as well. Um, so Kurt, like, in the first half, like, let's say those first three drives. Do you think that's especially that first drive, I think that was a scripted drive. Do you feel like that's more what we're going to look like through most of the season? I honestly do because I think that's how we're going to be. I think the big thing about Coley and the difference is him is he wants to get our playmakers the ball. He wants to get anyone that can make a play the ball in spaces can make them most most successful, and that's what you saw the first couple drives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, and, and going back to the original question here, like obviously, yes, the first three drives, 21 nothing. looks like we're about to blow them out and make 60 70 nothing. Who knows? Um, but then it, it kind of stagnated a little bit there. Not a little bit, more than a little bit. Uh, but let, let, I want to look at this in context. I went back and looked at all these drives. So, you know, we scored touchdowns on three of the four uh, drives in the first half. We only had four drives in the first half, uh, which kind of makes sense with, you know, like I said in the preview show last week, Vanderbilt is probably the closest thing to us in terms of what we want to do offensively. Like our core identity, they have a very similar identity offensively. You guys saw that again uh, on Saturday. So it wasn't surprising to see each team only have a couple possessions, you know, four or five possessions in the first half. The second half, we had six possessions. So, but, and that's where things kind of started stagnating a little bit. But let's go through this. So in the second half, the first drive was derailed by penalties. We get we end up on a first and 20 after uh, – maybe that was the one where Swift uh, broke the long run. He's like a 37-yard run. Uh, then he has another long run, but it's called back on a holding. So it's first and 20 after that holding. Uh, then uh, we – and that just puts us behind the chains. And, and holdings – that's why I go back to the penalties thing. The holdings, holding calls are killers, man. They're drive killers. First and 20, that's tough, man. That's tough. Uh, and then the next drive on the second drive, we're, that's when we're stuffed on fourth and one at the Vanderbilt 17. So that took points – at least a field goal away right there. That's another three points at least. Um, then on the third drive, we get another holding call right after Zeus's long 23-yard run, uh, which put us behind the chains again. So you're trying to operate from behind there, and that's tough. Uh, then the fourth drive, that's the one where, where Fromm hit Kiaris for that 31-yard gain inside the five-yard line, but Kiaris fumbles. So that takes at least another at least another three points off the board, if not another touchdown. Uh, then on the fifth drive, we're stuffed on third and one from the Vanderbilt 19. Have to settle for a field goal there. And then after that, we're basically running the clock out. So when you look at it in context, it wasn't that like we weren't moving the football, weren't doing good things. It's just I think we were – 
like the, in this first half, it was on defense. We were kind of stubbing our toe and hurting ourselves. We gave them six points on defense in the first half on penalties, on uh, two face masks and the late hit out of bounds, 45 yards of penalties and back-to-back drives. They get six points. I think it was back-to-back drives. But it was offense in the second half where we started to hurt ourselves with penalties. So, like, honestly, when you look at it, like, I think we moved the ball fairly well. We didn't really get many three and outs in the second in the second half offensively. It's just that we did stupid things after doing good things. Once we start to clean that up, we'll be fine. Like if you take away the the fourth and one, we don't get on the seventeen, we don't get any points there. Let's say give it, give us at least three there. Okay, that's thirty three points. Uh, then you got the the fumble inside the five, right at the five by Kiers. That's it. I mean, that could be a touchdown, at least three points. That's 36, if not 40 points right there. If you take away the six points we gave them on penalties on defense in the first half, we could easily have beaten this team 40 to nothing. Easily, right? If not yeah, worse. I think we cut off. Yeah, if not worse than that. So I know, like, and, and maybe we got a little spoiled there in the first half of those those first three drives. We were just, like, they could not do anything to stop us. I don't really think they, it was more us stopping ourselves in the second half than it was Vandy stopping us. I still think we were able to pretty much do what we wanted to in the second half, break off long runs, hit some plays on the field when we had some chances. The only thing that I, I, I thought was a little bit of an issue offensively was uh, pass protection. Uh, now they didn't get any sacks, but they, they hurried from a couple of times, which did not allow us to have some 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 big shots down the field that we had, that we had clearly dialed up. That Fromm was looking for down the field, he didn't have the time to let those plays develop and get those balls off. So we need to clean that up a little bit. Um, but really, I'm not overly worried about it. I, I know if you're trying to find something to nitpick, you can find. And I don't say nitpicking, but like we're all trying to find things to look at. Okay, what can we improve? That's certain. Those are certainly some things we can improve on, but I just went down drive by drive in the second half. It was really more about us doing things to hurt ourselves than it was Vandy, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm again, I'm not ready to freak out yet. I, we'll see the next couple of weeks, and if it becomes more of a trend, then we'll have another conversation about it. But I think what we saw those first three drives is more in line of what we're going to be for most of this season. If I, if I had to project right now through one game. Uh, all right, next one here we got Corey. Uh, Corey asks, "How would you now stick with the offense here for a minute? How would you grade Jake Fromm's performance against Vanderbilt? The numbers don't jump off the page, but I thought he played very well from start to finish." Cliff also had a question about Fromm. He asked, "What were your early impressions of Jake Fromm?" So, Kurt, uh, more specifically here, not just the offense in general, but Jake Fromm's performance. What did you make of it? I mean, I think you argue him hey, I don't know if there's anything in particular. Yeah, he didn't put the best numbers, but I don't think there was any part of his game that he did not do above, you know, what we, what we expected of him. He did a good job audibling to certain runs and in about packages when um, you saw things that were there. And I thought when he had time to throw and when he, he was hitting the targets online. So, I mean, I don't know how you could give him a bad grade, even though he didn't put the best numbers. He did exactly what we asked him to do. I'm glad that you were the first one to say that and not me because I know I get some grief sometimes being the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, but I, I see it the exact same way. Like, my question would be, if you didn't think Fromm played well, my question would be, like, what did he not do well? What exactly did he not do well? Um, I know his numbers didn't jump off the page, but I, I think it was more about the opportunities, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the, the number that jumped off the page at me that was not Jake Fromm-esque was, the, I think, it was 6.8 yards per pass. He's usually up more like 9 yards per pass. But you also have to take away the long bomb to, 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 to Demetrius, right, in the first half. That was called back on a holding penalty. That was a 50-ish yarder, right, off the top of my head, something like that. And that was a beautifully, beautifully thrown post, deep ball right there. Uh, and there were a couple opportunities where he had guys running down the field that he was going to – that I, I think he had a very good chance of hitting. We don't know if he was going to hit him, have a good chance. But he had he got uh, he got forced out of the pocket because of some pressure, got, got hurried. Then you have the one uh, that – that we had Demetrius and um, and Pickens right in the same area, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And that, that ball was – if you go back and watch it, it looked like the announcers were trying to put it more on pickets. Now, when I go back, I watched it a couple different times. I, I'm almost certain he was go, he was looking dead at George Pickens. I think that ball was intended for George Pickens. I think Demetrius turned. I think he kind of freelanced there and turn and turn his route up the field. I think that's what happened. I don't think he was supposed to be in that spot. Now I don't know that for sure. That's just my take on it after watching a couple times. But if you watch it from the quarterback's angle, he is looking dead straight at George Pickens right in the numbers. Uh, so and that that would have been like a huge game. But that's another first down there. Uh, could put this inside the ten yard line. Set up another score. Helps his numbers out a little bit. Then you had a touchdown that wasn't uh, on a pass interference. That like the, the one to Pickens in the end zone, right? Where that would have been a touchdown. That's a touchdown all day long. But the the, the defender essentially tackles Pickens because it was going to be a touchdown. Um, so his numbers could have been better, but it wasn't. Again, it wasn't anything that I that I think he did wrong. He got us consistently in the right place all game long. And a lot of time, like most of the time, guys, you have to understand he's going up to play with multiple. He's going up to the line of scrimmage with multiple plays that he can call based on the looks Vanderbilt gives us. A lot of what we call is not so much Coley saying this is the play we're running. This is not 1995, guys. A quarterback like Jay Fromm in his third year has a lot of control of the line of scrimmage. So he should not get all the credit for all the great things we do offensively, but he does deserve a fair amount of it. Um, even the plays where he's not throwing the football, because he, there might be a, a pass play called, uh, but he has, or at least that might be the the first call, but he has a chance to audible out of that, to. To, to cancel it out and run something different. And he just consistently is getting us in the right place. So I thought he was in complete command, like he is, generally speaking. And I thought he played very well. Now, uh, I w- of course, I would like for him to throw uh, you know, for more yards. And we'd like to see the, the yards per attempt go up. But I think that's going to come. I, I don't think it was uh, so much a problem. I just think it was more of taking what Vanderbilt was giving us, especially in the second half there. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I see that one. All right, next up here we got a question from Zach. Sticking with the passing game, this time the receivers. Appreciate it, Zach. Zach asks, what are your thoughts on the receivers? I thought they looked pretty good. I thought Landers and D-Rob were impressive, and there were also no drops. Josh also adds, uh, what's up, guys? I have a few things. I think the receivers did well, and Landers surprised me and played hard. I was looking for Blaylock, but did not see him. We have a wealth of talent, and it's obviously hard to get all of it on the field. So a couple questions there, Curtis, about the wide receivers. What was your take on on that? You know, that was that, There were a lot of questions surrounding them in the national media coming into week one. Um, I think they did exactly what we asked them to do. I thought they did a good job running routes. I thought Landers played well, getting the ball, being physical and quick and making moves up the field. Um, I think think, uh, what stuck out to me the most is what you are unsure of when it comes to young, new guys. I thought they did a great job of blocking on the edge and blocking downfield. Yeah, oh, and Pickens in particular, I don't know if it showed up on TV, but there was a play in the stands. Um, We were going down towards the end zone, the, 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 the closed end zone, not where the scoreboard is. And it was a run play, and dude, he was like mauling the defender, like he was going at him. Like I thought he was going to try to like put him six feet under. So when a guy like that is buying in to that degree, that that speaks volumes about what you're doing coaching up those receivers, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you, man. Like, if, here's what I'll say about the receivers: if that's supposed to be the big question mark on this team, uh, watch out, America, right? That's, I believe so, because I mean, I didn't see anything that doesn't make me th- think that they can't do it. Yeah, I mean, like, we didn't put up huge passing numbers, but again, it's opportunities. When they got opportunities, plays were made. D-Rob got opportunities, looked really good doing it. When Landers got opportunities, he looked good, man. I know, I know we're big plays, but you could see the potential. You could see what I've been talking about all offseason when I was talking about Matt Landers, the guy that I was 
really hoping would break out. I thought he had a really good chance to break out. I think he's going to be a really good receiver. He gets more and more opportunities. I thought Lawrence Cager looked good. I thought he looked explosive when he got opportunities there. Um, I thought Kiaris looked good. He looks like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks here. Uh, Pickens, you know, didn't make any catches, but I like what I saw from him when he was out there. He looked comfortable. He was blocking with with aggression out there. Um, Blaylock, were you surprised not to see Blaylock get any opportunities out there on the field? No, not at all, because Blaylock at, at this point in time was number three behind Robertson and Jackson. He will be getting opportunities moving forward now with Kiaris um, out for a couple of weeks. But Blaylock was there. Um, I don't know if, if if you guys saw that he was there. He was on the sideline. Uh, just didn't get in the game. So at least he's 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 in the conversation. He will be playing a lot more. And you also have to remember Blaylock's the guy that didn't come in as an early enrollee. He was here uh, just in the summer, and he's got two guys ahead of him right now that uh, they've been here a little bit longer. So I'm not down on him at all. I think he'll play a good bit. The next, I, he will play a good bit the next couple of weeks. But uh, the receivers look good, man. We've got a lot of talent there. I think we are. And Tyler Simmons. Um, there's one player he kind of short armed that uh, the ball kind of went through his through his arms there. Uh, I was on a third down play where he saw the, the safety coming over. He looked like he was going to get hit, and, and he knows he's got. He would like to have that one back. But Simmons, is just a beast out there blocking and um, adds uh, some speed out there as well. So, I uh, mean, again, if that is if that's supposed to be the problem for this Georgia offense, this Georgia football team, then man, we are in really good shape. If you have to ask me. All right, next up here, uh, another question from Cliff. Thanks again, Cliff. Uh, Cliff asks. Uh, Harian seemed to run straight into the tackler on a key stop. I don't mind him being the starter, but is he the best choice on short yardage as his vision clearly needs to improve? Kurt, you've mentioned this a couple times in the past. What do you think? I mean, this has always been Harian's uh, problem. He he like, seeks out contact. He's like an athletic Brendan Douglas. Yep. Um, but the thing is, he does hit the hole hard. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. It's a hard question. I mean, you have Zeus now. I think the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to be as a factor in short yard situations also. But, I mean, in all honesty, I think Swift is just as good because he's going to get through that hole just as quick as anyone. Yes. Um, and look, guys, I'm going to start by saying this. I love Brian Harrion. Uh, his story, barely qualifying in high school. And, nobody, and people, basically, all teams have given up on him except for Kirby Smart. Uh, and it, for him to stick around in, the, in this day and age of the transfer portal, he could have gone anywhere or most play. He could have gone a lot of different places and played a lot more than he has here. But he stuck it out, and now he's going to be a major contributor on this football team. I think he's going to fill the exact same role that Holyfield filled last year. I think, uh, honestly, uh, you, know, you guys know in 2017, Curtis and I were both on. We were saying Holyfield was a better option than Harry, and in those, you know, as a fourth back, which what whatever that mattered for. Um, and I think Holyfield deserved to be the guy last year. Um, but I think a a senior Brian Herring versus a junior Elijah Holyfield, I don't think there's much separation there at all. I really don't. I think Herring runs with reckless abandon, as Kirby says. He says it perfectly. He doesn't care about what happens to his body. He just wants to go out there and hit somebody and get yards. You're right, Curtis. His vision could improve. Uh, I thought he has. He showed he showed a little bit more of that on Saturday than we've seen in the past. He got more opportunities, but he still has a tendency to just kind of put his head down and just try to run over people, uh, which you love to. See. It's fun to watch that, but sometimes not necessarily what's best for the team uh, in terms of getting the most, maximizing the yards that are available in that situation. But I love Brian here. I think he's a, he runs so freaking hard, man. It's just I, I love watching guys run like that. Very rarely is if it's not a shoestring tackle does he go down on first contact or even second contact. The guy just runs so hard. But the thing is, he's not big enough. He he does and he does not run with a lot of vision in those situations. Um, what I would say, and you mentioned Zeus, I think Zeus is bigger and stronger, and should get at least some looks in those situations to see if he can maybe display a little bit better vision. Because uh, Harry runs hard, but he's just not quite as big and thick as Zeus is. So I might try Zeus out there in some of those roles and, and give a look. And I'm with you. I don't, I'm not necessarily opposed to Swift having some because Swift is like he's short. I've said this many times about Swift. He's short. 
but he's not a small dude. He's a short, stout runner who just has an insane lateral quickness, lateral ability. Um, he can make somebody miss in the hole, whereas Harrion's just not trying to do that right now. Um, I still think it's a lot to do with scheme. There, there was one of those short yardage plays where he just ran to the back of the center. If he would have kind of just uh, veered off to the right, a little bit there towards the guard. He had he had a bubble there um, that he could have gotten a couple yards with. Um, so yeah, I think we might want to see if there's a if there's some other option there that might be able to give us a little bit more in those short yardage opportunities. All right, next up here, another question about the running back, real quick. Us uh, from Russell. Thanks for the question, Russell. Uh, he says I would also say James Cook was hitting the kickoff hole hard. If he ever burst through the first break, look out. What do you think about Cook as a kick returner, Kurt? Um, I think he was very close to breaking a couple. Uh, you see it. He's explosive. I think he may be more explosive than me, Cole, because I think he has a better vision when it comes to seeing the entire field. He's so I much more he smooth be... and elusive, too. Yeah, he just he, – he, I mean, he reminds me of uh, Dalvin 100%. I mean, just a little bit different body type. Yeah. Uh, but they run with that, that vision and that smoothness. I mean, like that touchdown run he had. I mean, just that cut oh, up the field. His hits so are nasty. Yeah, and so I think that's why I think that – this kid has the potential to break quite a few. Oh, my God. And just getting this guy in space just makes me salivate. God, just makes me salivate, man. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here, Russell. I'm going to say he's going to break one. He's going to break a, a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. As I just mentioned, Miko was great. I think he's shiftier than Miko. Maybe not as straight line fast as Miko, but not certainly not that far off, if, if much at all. Um, but I think he's shiftier, which uh, getting him in space a little bit, like especially offensively, I think – could be danger, more dangerous than what Miko was offensively in, in space in those situations. But yeah, I'm really excited about what Cook brings to the table offensively, special teams wise. I think he's going to be a big time player for us, and um, he might win us a game this year. He really might. He might. All right, next up here, we got a question from Josh. Thanks for the question, Josh. And Kurt, you'll love this one, man. This one straight for you. Josh uh, says, I still think Richard LeCount is not where we need him to be. He did well, but there's still room for improvement. And then all the outside linebackers, OMG. So kind of a two-part there. Let's start with Richard LeCount. Uh, did you see – you were hard on him last year. I think understandably and justifiably so. Did you see some improvement this this year at all or are you still with Josh? Um, I mean, you didn't see anything that really struck out. You didn't see any missed tackles per se. I mean, he didn't have a lot of opportunities, but when he did, he made the play. Uh, so, I mean, you know, like like my big thing is there, just, there wasn't enough sample size to really be able to say anything about him. Yeah. I think that's where I would lean. I think, yeah, it's a small sample size. I don't think he was necessarily outstanding. But I also would say this. He didn't do anything that made me say, oh, my God, LeCount, what are you doing, right? Yeah, exactly. It, that, that I saw. Maybe I missed something. Um, but I, I, he didn't blow it. He didn't blow an assignment back there in, in deep in, you know, deep uh, quarters or thirds or half or whatever we're playing back there when he's back. I didn't see any, like, glaring missed tackles. So I thought he played a solid game at the very least. Um, so I, I'm with you, though, Chris. Small sample size. I still want to continue to watch and see if he's improved from where he was last year. The work coming out of camp is that he really has. Um, but we'll, we'll see certainly as we get into better competition in the coming weeks. Um, and the second part, Kirk, uh, outside linebackers, man. You and I were kind of texting about this during the game. What would you think? Uh, I think there could be a weapon. Um, I mean, you saw Nolan just getting pressure up left and right. You saw Jermaine getting in there. I mean, I, I think who struck out to me the most was um, Aziz. I thought he played a really good game. I think that guy's going to be an absolute animal this year. Yeah, Aziz, like, I will reserve the OMG. I mean, Nolan OMG, sure. Jermaine, sure. But no, but Aziz Ojolari, oh my God. Like, this guy is the total package. He plays the run. Like, he is the he is a truth. I, I was afraid 
he might be because we only saw that one game against Texas. But his body looks in better shape. He looks quicker than he did against Texas, which makes sense. It's nine months more removed from the ACL injury. But um, even then, he was explosive against Texas and making plays. He just he, he just didn't make them. Right. And now he and now he's had, you know I think you mentioned he's a little out of shape and things. And I mean the guy looks like a complete player. I mean he looks he's like a three down outside defense. linebacker. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's what makes him so dangerous. He can do whatever you ask. That guy's an NFL player. I'm telling you right now, he's an NFL player. Uh, Nolan's an NFL player, too. Nolan's going to be a freaking monster. Uh, but he's Nolan right now is more what we're using him as right now. Because right now, in most packages, because we don't play our base very much at all. Really, let's get real, guys. The nickel package these days, this day and age, is pretty much your base defense. And in those looks, we're have, we have one outside linebacker on the field. That's just what we have. Uh, and so that's where Aziz is seeing a lot of the time. And then in the third down package, when we, go, when we go to our dime looks, then Nolan's getting more on the field. And, and he, uh, he had one play where he forced uh, – it was almost a sack. didn't quite go down as a sack, but he basically made the play there for like a, a half-yard gain when um, he tracked down uh, Riley Neal there. So outside linebackers, mm, man. Uh, we didn't even talk – like Walter Grant hardly played because we weren't really, he plays in our base package pretty much. Uh, Jermaine didn't see a ton of time in the first half. I saw more as the game went on. But, man – like uh, Britton Cox, uh, do we miss him much? Nope. And I didn't even mention Adam Anderson coming in the dime packages. I mean, God, just that dude runs like a freaking deer. He's an outside linebacker. It's crazy. So, man, we are just loaded there, and that's one of the main reasons why I'm so high on our defense this year. And, uh, I, and let's talk about the havoc here for a quick second. I had somebody, um, maybe it was Jamil during the game. Uh, and it was early in the game, so, you know, it, it was in progress. It wasn't like he had the whole game to operate off of. But early in the game, he was saying he didn't see as much havoc as he was hoping to see. Kurt, how did you feel once the game was all said and done? Do you feel like we improved in that regard? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't have sacks, but what did you expect when they were getting rid of the ball in a three count? I mean, you're not going to They didn't take any shots down the field. Like, did they try yeah, to the ball going five yards down the field? No, and that's the thing, unless you're going unblocked, you're not going to get a sack in that quick of a time span. But what I was impressed with is even then, we were hounding the quarterback. I think I saw something like multiple, uh, between like um, Justin Young, uh, Michael Barnett, and someone else or something like that. We had like 11 quarterback hurries, and they last year they had nine combined in the entire season. That's actually um, – so yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me cut you off. And, and I just think that's a, the sign. I mean, we got the quarterback hurries. We were getting after the quarterback. Yeah, we were sacking them. But if you thought we were going to get sacks on those short passing um, plays that they're running, then you're not being very realistic. No, that's but not going to yeah. I think in the, in the circumstances we played against, we created as much havoc as possible. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh I know we well, I think we went I think it went down as two sacks like on this official stat sheet. Four quarterback hurries. Um, I don't. I mean, I actually went back and counted myself before you even mentioned that number. I, and it's interesting that you mentioned that number because uh, what I what I saw what I saw when I went back and counted when I call them hurries, I say affected the quarterback right where he has to he gets flushed out of the pocket or he has to hurry up his throw and so it's an incomplete pass affecting the quarterback, which which is what Kirby talks about. I counted eleven different times where I felt like we affected the quarterback, uh, and to me that's a big number. Um, so I, I, now did we put up, you know, 10 sacks or so like, you know, Florida was doing against Miami. Well, no, they also didn't have two true freshmen or two freshmen playing tackle. They didn't have a, a, a quarterback in his first, his first college football action who couldn't get rid of the ball to save his life. 
They didn't have anything like that. Uh, Jaron Jaron Williams against with Miami against Florida was holding holding on the ball all freaking day long. Riley Neal was trying to, as you mentioned, was getting the ball out of his hands. He got experience. He understands what was happening there. So I I, I was very impressed with what we what we were doing uh, defensively there, especially in the front seven. I thought we were getting after the quarterback. I thought we were affecting him, creating pressure, creating havoc. And havoc also includes batted balls, guys, things like that. Force now I would like to see us turn, uh, force some more turnovers, but. Uh, I, I thought it was at least a good, solid start in terms of creating more havoc in week one. Um, all right, a couple more questions here real quick. Uh, we've got one from John and Axel Dog, who kind of have a very similar question here. So John asked, did the defensive line look like the best part of the defense, or was that just the bourbon talking? Every other part of the defense looked sloppy and had too many penalties. And Axel Dog, I uh, appreciate the question, man, uh, asked, how well do you think George's defensive line played last night, and did you notice the guys being able to penetrate more this year Versus last year. What do you think, Kurt? Um, I don't know about being the best part of the unit. Yes, some of the other guys made mistakes, but uh, to say that every other unit was sloppy, I don't technically agree with, in my opinion. Uh, but, I mean, because even the defensive line made their own mistakes. But I think the biggest thing that this track got to, um, stick out to me was they were getting more pressure, you know, without having to run as many stunts and things like that, especially um, past situations where we'd come in there and we would bring um, not Trevon Walker, but. Um, he come in there. He came in there a couple times on third day on the in our on our. Oh yeah, situation. was Trevon yeah. Walker? He came yeah. in there and just he was taking on double teams and still driving him back. Um, I think you can tell Tyler. He's going to be a problem. Playing. Yeah, and I think Tyler Hart played very well. I think Michael Barnett played very well. I think some of these guys know it is really their last chance, and they're out there pushing it up. I was very impressed with the way they played, honestly. And this is one of the reasons why I well, I've said I think this has a chance to be, and I and I I still mean this. I was going to hold this to the next question, but. I, I said this in the, at the beginning, well, not the beginning of the season. In the preseason, leading up to to this first game, that I felt that this defense had the chance, with the talent we've amassed and the experience we have, I had a chance to be the first truly elite defense in the Kirby Smart era. 2017, we were really good. I don't know if we like. We, I don't think we were elite, Kurt. Were we elite in 2017 defensively? I didn't think so. I thought we were really, 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 really good. I don't know if we were truly an elite defense like maybe Clemson was last year, or the Alabama defenses of years past. Uh, we, we had some holes on that defense still. Um, but I don't know where the holes are on this defense. I, and if week one is any, any indication, I know it's Vanderbilt. I get it, guys. I know. But, man, like it, we looked good on all counts. I'm with you, Kurt. I don't, I don't know if we looked sloppy elsewhere. Yeah, the penalties were sloppy, the face mask, things like that. But let's start with the defensive line here real quick. And one guy you didn't mention that I thought played the best out of all the entire group was Devontae Wyatt. I think Devontae Wyatt might turn out by the end of this year to be our best defensive lineman. He gives us an interior pass rush that Tyler Clark gives us at times, was a little inconsistent at last year. But White gives us that, even if Clark can still do that, White gives us another guy as a pass rusher in the interior that can, get, that can get some push in the quarterback's face, which can be huge. We're not just worrying about guys coming off the edge. Because if a guy comes off the edge, the quarterback can still step up in the pocket and make a play. But if we're able to get some of that push from the interior, which I think White and Clark can offer us, and a guy like Javon Walker, too, if he comes in those third down situations, I think that is going to be a massive plus for this defense year, this year, something that we haven't really had under Kirby Smart. Uh, I thought he played well against the run. He uses his hands well. He extends well. He gets off blocks. Uh, he's he's quick and explosive off the ball. I think Devontae White really has a chance to be our best defensive lineman this year. Tyler Clark, I think now he's um, back from the hand injury, which really hampered him last year. He really couldn't grab onto people and do and rip through people like he needed to last year. I thought he played really well. Trevon Walker coming in situationally. He's still a little undersized, about 270, 275 pounds, but coming in 
as a third down pass rusher on the interior there, he will be a problem for people. Um, and Julian Rochester, you know, he's still coming out from the ACL, which he very quietly had to get cleaned up this year or this offseason. He didn't play at all, and we still didn't miss a beat, right? Yeah. And we didn't, and we didn't even have Malik Herring out there. Malik Herring didn't play. He was on the sideline, but he was kind of – I don't know if they showed it on the, on the TV tape – but he was hobbling a little bit. Now, he made the trip, kind of like uh, Nakobe. So you have to think it's not too big of an issue. Maybe it's more of a game-time decision. But Malik Herring didn't even play. Uh, so, man, our defensive line, I think has a chance. Like, it, 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 There's been like a shortcoming on our defense the past couple years. Now, inside linebacker was a problem last year. But for the past couple years, it's been, year after year, the defensive line. It's been okay and good, but not great, not elite. That has a chance to really change this year for the first time. And that can completely change the complexion of our entire defense. Uh, outside linebackers, man, we already mentioned that stellar. I thought inside linebacker, at least through one week, was a big step up from what we saw last year. And even though guys like Rice and Crowder were, were in the rotation last year, I thought they looked improved. I thought Monty Rice played play, played well. He, he showed more speed than what I've seen from him in the past, so I, I thought he played very well. Uh, secondary, I thought it looked really good. Uh, we, we saw Tyson Campbell at the start. thought he played well, came, came over made it, and, and made the play on the ball on that throwback. From Keyshawn Vaughn, I showed a little bit more awareness than he's shown in the past. Uh, Eric Stokes is—is is it too much to say? Well, I don't know if there's any one that's a shutdown corner, but like, is it too much to sh- say that Eric Stokes can be one of the top corners in at least the SEC, if not all of college football? I don't think that's a stretch. I mean, the guy plays some lockdown corner. I mean, look at what look at what we held Kalijah Liston. I think to three catches for like under so under ten yards, something crazy. We held Jerry Pinkney to nothing, and Keyshawn Vaughn under a hundred yards. This is a guy that averaged like almost like nine yards a carry last year. That trio that Vanderbilt had a lot of talk coming in. We completely shut them down. And, and, and it's not that they're not good. I know Riley Neal is not Kyle Shermer, but Riley Neal is going for 7,000 yards in his career. I know it's Ball State. I get it. He's played Power 5 teams. I, actually, some of the tape that I watched him play leading up to this game to get prepared for the show was against Power 5 teams. Um, so, like, he's not a, necessarily a scrub. They have good players on offense. We completely shut them down. We took them away 100%. I mean, Lipskin did nothing, and, and it was mainly Stokes. There were times Campbell was on him and DJ Daniel, but... Like I, I, I didn't see the holes. Um, and maybe I'm being too optimistic here. I just, I didn't see them. Uh, all right, last one here. This is from Cliff. Uh, thanks again, Cliff. This is a good question. It's a great one to end on here. Kind of wrap it up for today. We'll finish the rest of the questions later in the week. Um, so Cliff says, "What grades would you give each phase of our team?" He gives Cliff gives the special teams an A plus, offense B minus, defense B plus for week one. Kurt, how do you grade each unit? Um, offense, I'd probably go with a B plus. Um, I think, you know, there's room to grow, but I think that for the most part, other than the holy penalties, they played pretty solidly. Um, defense, I would probably, I'd actually probably go with A minus for defense. They played, you know, flew to the ball very well. They had their own mistakes, but, uh, outside the penalties, um, Vanderbilt did not do anything as our defense and special teams. I go with an A plus. Oh yeah, man. Um, I'm, I'm pretty similar to what you've got here. I've got... I've got offense. Of, I'm gonna give him a, a, a straight B here. Uh, we were doing whatever we wanted for most of the game. The second half it did stagnate a little bit, but that was more of us our own doing. A little bit of sloppiness in the second half with the penalties, um, not being able to convert short yard situations. So I'm gonna give him a, give us a B there. I can't argue though with a B plus. It's 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 you know splitting hairs there. Defense. I'm gonna go with a solid A. Um, we held them to 90 total yards in the second half. 57 of those came on the final drive, and we had a bunch of backups in. We absolutely should have shut this team out. I kind of just broke down the defense in that last question so i'm not gonna go into detail again but we should have shut this team out if it wasn't for 45 yards and penalties there in that second quarter we would have shut this team out um 
and it was just all all around great performance. Um, and special teams, I'm with you, man. I don't, I don't know how you can give the special teams unit anything other than A plus. I mean, all the way around, just stellar, stellar play. So I'm really excited about how we started the season off. Absolutely, have some things to clean up. Uh, but Curtis, is it necessarily the worst thing to have some things that you have to work on after week one? No, absolutely not. I think it gives the coaches uh, some some coaching points. It can get the guys' attention. You know, sometimes when you come and blow out a team like Vanderbilt, if we would have blown them out sixty nothing, yeah, that would have built some confidence, sure. But maybe you get a little too overconfident. Uh, and you, then you play two patsies and you go to Notre Dame and then they come and hit you in the mouth. So I think this gives our coaches an opportunity to really kind of zero in on some things that we do need to work on, cleaning up some of the penalties, some of the undisciplined play, working on the short yard situations, maybe clean up some of the pass protection stuff a little bit, and just being a little more crisp all the way around. But, man, like I go back to what Reg said, Reggie said at the outset. I just did not see anything that caused me to dampen any of my optimism or enthusiasm for what this team can be this season. We're not there yet, but I think we saw all the pieces, all the tools, all the things that we need. They're here. We just got to bring it all out. And I think I think that's um, what we're going to see all throughout the year. But uh, anything else, Kurt? No, that's it. All right, guys. Well, we definitely appreciate you guys listening in this week. Check back with us later in the week. We'll have part two. We'll also um, have a couple different things we're going to roll out for you guys this week. We'll have more information on that with uh, part two of the show, of the Mailbag Show. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. We really cannot tell you how much we appreciate the support. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.